and we see at that time like he he really used his freedom for good and i think that is something really something that we can learn or we could teach uh, especially to the high school students or to young people right that we are free and there's going to be a lot of different options out there especially today but using our freedom to choose the good right that's real freedom hi welcome back to Baldoco. i'm amy i'm vicky and i'm father steve welcome back everybody Round three. Round three. So exciting. And we're just going to jump right into it, right? Because we don't have time. No banter, nothing. We're just going to go right into me talking. Thank God. Thanks, God. Welcome to the Father Steve Show. <laughs> <laughs> that was really <laughs> Takeover. So if you are just joining us now, stop looking at me like that. Relax. It's so, relax. SLR prep week. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, a lot of feelings. A lot of feelings. And I just got back from a trip to Alabama. So I am a little tired, but it's all good. And if you're just joining us, we're doing um, like episodes of Don Bosco's life, taking Don Bosco's life and different things and giving me a chance to talk about what I learned when I was down in Ecuador, studying the life of St. John Bosco and studying Salesian spirituality. And so just trying to offer this um, as kind of a resource to talk about St. John Bosco in kind of a simplified um but yeah, just trying to go through his life little by little. So if you're just joining, we're actually when he was a student um, in public school. So if you want to go back, the first episode was the historical context of just what was going on at the time of St. John Bosco, right before he was born and during his life, some of the major events that were kind of, yeah, that were going on and he had to deal with and influence the way he was educated, influenced the way that he was brought up. So go back to, to that, the historical part. And then the second one was really his childhood. So the beginnings, he was born in 1815 and then basically to 1830. So his first 15 years of life and uh, yeah, his life with his mom and the different people that he met and uh, that theme really. So the first theme was really good Christians and honest citizens, good Christians and honest citizens and how difficult it would have been to for St. John Bosco to preach that in a time that was so uh, complicated between the church and the state and all the changes, all the revolutions, all the things that were going on in that part of the world. Um, so how hard it would have been and how, yeah, how he was able to combine those two things. And then the one from last time, last episode, was really on abandonment. How many times losing his father at two years old, um, losing people that he loved, being kind of sent away from his family to, to live um, on his own uh, when he was just a kid uh, because there was turmoil in the family. So all of that kind of stuff that he really feeling uh, the difficulties of being abandoned and then how that influenced him growing up uh, to then be a father and a friend to the abandoned of Turin. So that was last episode. And this one is really his education, his schooling, going to the public school in a place called Kiri. And basically from 1831 until he was ordained in 1841. Uh, so that's basically 16, the 10 years of his life from 16 years old till 26 Um and so just speaking about that, and I gave the title to this kind of talk on grace builds on nature and seeing how St. John Bosco was really a gifted person from the beginning. He was kind of a natural born leader. He had a lot of gifts, a lot of talents. He was athletic. He was well liked by his peers. He could go around and uh, he was really smart. He had a, they say like a photographic memory. So he was able to really learn um, quite easily. He had a desire to learn. He was hardworking. Like he had a lot of really good, a lot of good gifts, natural gifts that were given to him. But then uh, seeing how um, as he grows up and as he learns, um, that's a grace and he's learning and he's, um, you know, getting better and allowing God to work in his life. 
so that he can really figure out what he's supposed to do with his life. Um, we know at the age of nine he has a dream, and that's when we start to think that, okay, he, he's thinking about the priesthood or he's thinking about a religious vocation, um, but it takes a long time until he, until he gets there. Um, so we see that he goes to a public school um, in a place called Casta Nuovo, and he's four years older than everybody else. And he's coming from a place, I mean, his hometown is like this small grouping of homes. Um, and he's going to a, another town, Casa Nueva, which is a little bigger. And, you know, he would have had a hard time because he would have been a farmer. He would have dressed like a farmer. Uh, he would have been older and bigger. And they would have seen him as kind of a big, dumb guy from the country. You know? And when he first got there, it was good because he had a good teacher. But then a little bit, I think six months afterwards, he had a teacher who was older and basically said that uh, that it says his quote was that people from Becky, where Don Bosco is from, people from Becky are zoquetes, which is the shoes that they wear. It's like the wooden shoes or whatever that they wear. And they don't have the brains for study. Wow. So just seeing that a teacher telling you this, that you're not, you know, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not going to make it. You're a farm boy. So stay there kind of attitude. And he would have had to, you know, be faced with that from from a teacher. Um, and so he was there. And he would have to walk, obviously. He was walking, so here, probably about a mile, two miles from his hometown there. Um, and just recognizing he had to put a lot of work in, um, of walking, of sometimes staying overnight there. But then trying to get over the fact, of everybody kind of telling him or society telling him that he wasn't not going to make it or he shouldn't be there or he was just some farm boy um, from Becky and kind of wasting his time. And then also we know he had a hard time at fam in, in his family with Anthony. Um, but this time is a good moment for him because he's beginning to study full-time. He's a student. He's no longer a farmer, and he's starting to transition to be like a real student and have the support of his mom, have the support of, of people around him who are going to pay. Right? We, we learned that he met uh, Don Colasso, um, and he was helping him study, and people were giving him some money, and he was you know being able to go and to pay the fees. Um, so we just see that he was he was really working hard. And then he moves from there, and then he goes to Kiri. So he just spends like six months in Castanovo, and then he goes to Kiri, which is 10 miles from, from Becky. So he has to walk a longer distance. And it's a bigger city. It's 9,000 people. So it's much bigger. For us, 9,000 is kind of like a small town. But for him, Becky was just a few houses. You know, it was like a small, he knew everybody, everybody was right there. But then actually going to a walled city um, that was filled with people, and there was... Uh, it was like real city life. And uh, in the studies, it kind of talked about this would have been a moment of kind of what we think about, like university of that moment of freedom. Like you have that first moment where you're away from home, you're, being in, a, you're in a big environment where there's like good and bad and good people, bad people, a lot of temptation, a lot of things that you like could do because nobody, you're almost anonymous and you're kind of that first moment of being on your own. And so this, this would have been that moment for, for Don Bosco as he goes to this place and he begins to study. Um, and we, like Kiri, I don't know, it, was, it would have been a lot of action of, uh, there was like nine different religious orders. It was like the, the Dominicans, the Franciscans, the Augustinians, the Jesuits, the Oratorians of uh, Philip Neri. So he would have been surrounded by a very religious place, but also with a lot of temptations, a lot of people, you know, not following like it is today. Like we have the good and the bad in, in every city. Um, and so recognizing that he would have gone there and he went to public school from 1831 to 1835, um, but always having this kind of idea that he wanted to be a priest. So everything that he was doing was thinking about that he wanted to join the seminary or he wanted to, 
he had a desire at one time to be a Franciscan, to join the religious. So there was all of this stuff going on while he was studying. Um, but his real goal was was to be a priest. And uh, and then how did he, yeah, how did he manage with his studies? And and we just see again that this this grace builds on nature. And so he was really smart. He worked really hard. He studied. He was winning uh, like scholarships to pay for things. People were helping him out. He was able to learn so many different trades. And for me, that was a really cool thing to see that everything that he was learning at this time. So he learned how to be a tailor, how to play the violin, how to play the organ, how to sing like Gregorian chant and different things, a blacksmith, learned how to bake, learned how to do carpentry, look how to do book binding. He, he was a waiter. So in this 10 years when he was at school, he was picking up so many different trades that later on would be for, for the young people that he was able to teach them or to open up a trade school and he had all of the practical life skills to really be able to help the young people and he learned all that as he was dedicating his life to to study and so he had to work he had to find money um we know if you go well, we have the place still that when he was working at the like this coffee shop they gave him a little place to sleep which was basically on hay and like a little corner um and so you just recognize the hardship that he had to go through um, but somebody who was really disciplined, who was really determined, who had dreams, um, and was willing to go through, yeah, to go through it in order to accomplish what he what he felt called to and what he wanted to get. And I think we still see that today. Like we still hear stories of people like students sleeping in their cars or having to work two jobs to go to school. And and so it's something that um, you know really pray for that we could have the discipline and the and the desire to do hard things and to work hard to get an education um, to like be successful. I know for me, a lot of times things were given to me. It was really easy. Um, I had the support of my family, all of the kind of things. I didn't have to go through a lot of difficulties to get an education. And I took it for granted, like how much I wasted in my university because it didn't feel like it was mine. My parents were paying, whatever. So it was just easy for me to, to kind of waste it or not feel like super invested in it. Uh, but then to look at St. John Bosco, what he had to go through as a teenager, um, so that he could get an education, so that he could better himself, and that so that he could really become um, a priest. And we see at that time, like he he really used his freedom for good. And I think that is something really something that we can learn or we could teach, uh, especially to the high school students or to young people, right? That we are free, and there's going to be a lot of different options out there, especially today. But using our freedom to choose the good, right? That's real freedom. Um, and that's what St. John Bosco did. He surrounded himself with good friends. So he started this thing called the Society of Joy. Um, I don't know the exact translation in, in English, but it's Societa de Alegria, which is like Society of Joy or whatever, Society of Happiness. And he surrounded good friends. And basically, that was the practical way of being a good Christian and honest citizen, something that he didn't necessarily like preach yet, obviously, but that he was living because it was meant to be, okay, say your prayers, be a good Christian, do your religious duties, but also get your work done. Like study, get your work done, do your your chores, what you have to do, whatever you have to do. Um, so it was the society of of good friends that challenge each other, motivate each other to to be a good good Christian, to do the religious practices, but also uh, to work hard, get your homework done, and and study and do do what you're supposed to do as a student. So we had these society of joy, um, and he was meeting people like Louis Camolo. He started to meet Don Cafaso, um, and so he had people in his life. He had good role models, but it was. He had to choose that. And I think that's something that uh, we take for granted sometimes, or I do too, is um, he had other people that he could have followed. And yet he chose to follow people who were leading him in the right direction, who were good role models, who were doing the right thing. Um, and so he was doing all of that 
at that that moment, those 10 years in Kieri, when he was a teenager, uh, more than teenager, from 16 to 26, uh, really learning how to be a young man, really learning how to, to study, to be disciplined, um, because he did his first four years in a public school, and then he joined seminary. And it was really cool to see also that he was given everything. Like for the seminary, you have to pay, you need to have the the uh, the cassock, you need to have the shoes, you need to have the hat, you need to have everything. And it we have the list of who gave what to him. So somebody gave him the cassock, somebody gave him the shoes, somebody gave him the hat, somebody gave him all the different things that he needed um, so that he could dress like a seminarian. And uh, so Don Bosco, yeah, the humility, I guess, to receive, even though, okay, he worked hard, he had a lot of gifts, he had a lot of talents, but he needed help along the way. Um, so many people helped him whether that be the teachers, uh, he had good teachers in his life who really motivated him, who helped him through any difficult times that he felt uh, like being too old or too too country or uh, too poor. He had a lot of people who helped him, not only financially, but just like walked with him, encouraged him. Um, so to see that, okay, all of these gifts and all of these talents that he had, but this grace that God was giving him of people in his life, of, um, of the prayer life that he had, because it was beautiful to see. We always... We always tell people that like making little visits, how important it is. And Damasco used to go to the church. He used to pray in front of the Blessed Virgin Mary, like the statue or go for mass, uh, regular confession. So as he was working, as he was struggling, as he was learning, he was also living this spiritual life of uh, something very simple, but uh, very devoted. You know? And I think that's something also we can learn from his, his teenage years is that it's possible. It's not one or the other. It's not, I have to live a faith life or I have to study and be a student like it's it's all infused our faith life is infused in how we live and that's something that uh that he lived out really well that on his way back from school he would stop in the church just for a couple of minutes just to pray or on the way as he's walking praying a rosary or talking to his friends about what they're reading or about spiritual life or listening to his teachers and asking for extra help all of these things are are just ways to yeah live a good holy happy life and uh, it's something that we could really, really learn. Um, and one of the scholars, um, Arthur Lenti, writes that uh, St. John Bosco would have been, or at least the way it's explained and the way all the information that we have, that he would have been, he uses the word exuberant, an exuberant teenager who experiences relative freedom for the first time, right? So his time there in, in, uh, in Kiri on his own and really having to make his own decisions and really fend for himself which has both dangers and possibilities. Uh, he's a compatible extrovert who finds his space, who gains moral authority, who really works on his moral life, and he becomes a leader among his peers. Breezing through his schoolwork and study by the aid of a prodigious memory, he devotes most of his time to religious exercises, reading, working, and playing. So for me, it's beautiful to see how somebody can really live a really balanced life, even in the midst of real like suffering and struggling and basically living almost homeless. No, eating very little, studying by candlelight, living in this like little on this little corner of a of a coffee shop, um, or being moved from place to place. So he just lived his teenage years or his young adult years of sixteen to twenty six were were something difficult, beautiful, really formative. Um, but he he was able to really live kind of a balanced life that helped him move through the stages and to to discern what God wanted for him to do. And he never lost his dreams, uh, which was beautiful. He used to meet priests on the way or see religious and they wouldn't really, they wouldn't talk to him or they would greet him from afar. It was very formal, very distant. And he would always um, kind of think, you know, and we have this written in his memoirs, 
that if I were a priest, I would be different. And I think for him, it was always this dream of, I want to be a priest, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow exactly what's going on. I'm going to, he's learning, he's growing, he's maturing, everything. But he always had this, his, this deep uh, desire to be different, to be his own kind of priest, to really be close to people like him. So he felt a little bit distanced, but then he also had the, of Don Calasso and then soon Don Cafaso and different people in his life who were close um, and he wanted to be like that. And so at the same time, discerning, um, praying, asking for help and all of these ways um, until, so he goes through all his schooling and his seminary and then he's ordained in 1841 um, at the age of 26. And yeah, so we're going to kind of finish there. And the next episode will be more on, on the person of like his theology years, which really help him to become a priest. And he meets Don Burrell. He meets Don Cafaso. Or he really like works with them. He goes to the prisons. So he's starting to now say, okay, now I'm a priest. Um, and we see even as, as he's ordained, he thinks about leaving um, and like joining a missionary order of like Mary Knight priest or something like that. And so just seeing... Even at priesthood, he still doesn't have it figured out. And those years after priesthood are really big for him to discern, okay, I am going to give my life for the young people. I'm going to give my life in this way as this kind of priest. And that eventually uh, starts to gather them and, and builds, the conversation, uh, builds the congregation um, around his mom and around uh, the young people. And so, yeah, we'll kind of stop it there at 1841 when he's ordained and just kind of see how, how beautiful it was for him to uh, just go through that process of, of studying hard, of working hard, but going through a lot of difficulty. And for me, it's a, it's good for us to hear. And for maybe for our young people, anybody listening of like, yeah, we're going to go through difficult times. It's not everything is given to us. So we have to work really hard. But if we live a really good and like prayerful and reflective, we're going to learn from all those things and everything. That's what I learned even in my own life. Now that everything that we thought was a waste of time or we didn't really know the purpose really comes back and can serve us and can serve other people in the end. So Don Bosco learning all of these trades, learning how to do all of these things that for him at that moment were just to get him some money so that he could pay for his education. But in the long run, all of that served to, to help the young people, to create schools, to um, you know, help young people down the road. So to really recognize that the things that we go through, both good and bad, uh, if we do it in a prayerful spirit and we, we continue to, to be faithful, we will see how how God uses like every little thing that's in our life, um, and so I d we definitely see that in the life of Don Bosco, and uh, you know, beautiful moment for him when he was when he's going through his school. Um, so that's a little bit, a little talking. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys yeah have any thoughts, any comments, anything like that. Um, so two things for me. So one, um, when you were talking about kind of how all these different things happened in his life and all the different things that he learned and later it all comes together and he's able to use it. But I also think that it sounds like he was also living with the goal in mind. Like his eyes were on the priesthood, his eyes were on his vocation and that he had this calling from God, from Mary, um, that he didn't fully know what it was going to look like, but he was living with that goal in mind. And so even if we don't know how we're going to get there, or even if we don't know where we're going to be living like a life that is centered on some sort of goal, um, even if we don't know that yet, but praying to understand or praying to just kind of accept the things that are happening and to see like, how does this fit into a bigger picture? I think a lot of times it's easy to kind of bring to conversation with God the things that are already in our life. So this 
friendship or relationship that's already in my life, this stage of life that I'm in, being a student, being at work. But a lot of times we don't kind of have like that dream for the future maybe in our conversation with God, but to be bringing that to God of saying, you know, this future mission, this future job, this hope that I have, this hope that maybe I feel called to or, you know, a future spouse or something like that, but to really be able to live your life with that in mind, with a dream in mind, with a goal in mind. And even if we don't fully know what it is to really just be open and let that kind of guide all the moments in between, because he didn't know everything, but he was feeling callings and he was in this conversation with God and it led him to all these things that ultimately like full picture, you know, he got to see in retrospect. Um, And then the other thing that I just thought of briefly was when you were talking about the way that people viewed him, I really never even thought of that. I just thought, oh, you're looking to get an education. Like people are going to respect that you want to get an education, but that he's older, that he's from the country. People have all these negative stereotypes. Um, But that how many times we do that to people and they're young. So whether that's like, his age young or people who are young adults or even adults but all of us are you know going through life still and um I heard this line in a song that was you know people think they know you but I'm too young to even know myself but like that really applies to so many people that you have so much life left to live and when we start putting people in these stereotypes in these boxes that people who don't even know who they are they start to think they are like who we put them in a box to be. And, you know, like I said, that that can apply to younger ages, but then whatever age that you are, like looking at your peers, how many times do we put people in these boxes that don't even know themselves yet and, and we're starting to form these identities for them and the strength that people need to be able to step outside of what we're trying to put them in to be like, no, I'm called for more than what you're you're saying my identity is. So that was a bit of a tangent, but it just made me think of like, you know, we have to be careful with how we're treating our peers, how we're even treating people who are older than us, because there's still so much life left to live um, that like they may not have fully entered into their mission yet. I think it's and I think that's great. I think that's a good way to kind of see St. John Bosco's life in the because he was he was also searching. No. And I think he OK, he always had in mind salvation of soul like he wanted he wanted to go to heaven. He was really in that conversation with God and wanted. So he found his di- identity as a as a Christian, no, as a, a son of God, and he wanted to live that out. And I think that helped him when he went off on his own to make good decisions. Um, but how often, how easily it could have been that he could have given into those voices and he, he could have like shrinked away and kind of gave up because there were moments where he writes, I, I almost lost it all. Like I almost gave up on everything. I almost like listened to the voices and he would have just went back home and started farming because no, I'm too old. It's too late. I don't have the money. So many excuses to go back. Um, and so to see that he had good people in his life that encouraged him. But then he also had kind of this motivation to say, no, like with God and, and we, we can keep moving. And I, I want this and I know this is good. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. And so I think that's a beautiful way to kind of put his, his maturing process and, and trying to find his place in the world and his vocation and how difficult that is for, for all of us. Um, but you see both ways. You, know, you see people who go the way of St. John Bosco, who trust and pray and, and move forward, even despite the difficulties. And then you see people who, who give up and go the other way and un- are unhappy and, um, you know, are kind of lost. So, yeah, it's not easy. But uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely could have been dissuaded so so quickly. I mean, constantly people telling you that. What I do think is really beautiful, and I like I don't remember that detail at all. I probably didn't hear it was the like that he had started and he was four years older, so I didn't know that at all. But it that was I saw that on my first mission trip with the <gasps> Slesians. We went to we were working in a school and um that's what we saw one of the days this like girl walked in and she was 15 and the grades went from like kindergarten to third grade and she was like i want to go to school and they're like okay here's a little test starting first grade <laughs> and it was fine like she was just eager to learn you know and like that really could have stopped her 15 years old like could have been definitely old enough to be like okay i can't get an education even if it's like the very basic so just beautiful that that's like part of also you know the mission and in Slesian places to to really to educate the young no matter like where they are just to accept and allow that to happen even like in a non-traditional like way so it's just super beautiful and then I like love the because there's so much on like the on the society of joy um the way that he like brought friends in um to um yeah like to keep them from doing like the bad things that were there like in the town that they could have like fallen into like such a good way and we were just like i was just talking with um some of our like past young team we we're trying to figure out the examination of conscience and something that some of the things that some of them said they were talking about being like a lukewarm christian um and like or like judging people like based on like your own like where you think you are in your faith and judging other people and it was such a like profound like and really honest thing to say and they were like i'm definitely exposing myself right now but <laughs> and but it was so good like it was such a good thing and he could have been the same way you know but again this desire to like to work with young people right that comes from like okay the dreams that he had and um like what you know the the plan that god had for his life but that he really could have been like overly pious and like he could have been like okay well okay you're doing that and i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna even like invite you into like something better or something good um <clears throat> so i just like love that like so much and the i don't know i can't remember what it says on the sundial that's like there but like what like inspired um inspired him basically was like if you're I don't know, doing good, you, the time, time passes. Flies, yeah, yeah, time flies. Um, but are like for those that do good, time flies. For those that, I don't know, something like that. But really beautiful. Um, Sister April C can probably quote it. <laughs> um, but yeah, just um, a beautiful thought. I mean, really, that he like worked so hard. And then seeing that space when we went, you can also see it like on the Instagram, um, that space that he like actually lived in, like that he was like a waiter in this cafe and um and he would try to get like the people that were like in this cafe to like do the right thing and like he like threatened got threatened to like be fired and all these things and, like kicked out of where he was whatever that he really he meant it like he lived like who he was in every part of his life and how hard that must have been for him like already living in like such an extreme place but then that like he would risk it for the salvation of souls which is crazy that he did that even like as a young person, as a student. So just amazing that this is like, I don't know, the guy that started everything and obviously with so much help, but that he really was like super strong and he was persistent. And I'm sure, yeah, like what you were saying, like from quoting that he, okay, wanted to give up, but that like really thank God that he didn't because what gifts that he had that transferred over and now we get to sit here and like learn about his life and and it is relatable. Like, like I know how I had to work in college and how my friends had to work. And like, this is 
like a relatable story to people that, yeah, really just, you have to just make it work with whatever's going on. And he really did. And yeah, so it's beautiful. Amen. And just, I guess, for people who are listening or just to think about what, what can we learn from his time? You know, mm-hmm. where are we, are we taking, if we're a student, are we taking full advantage of all the opportunities that yeah. we have to learn? Are we putting in the effort to study? I know there's, a, I hear it all the time in confession, unfortunately, but like there's a lot of cheating I did in my life also, like when, just easier. It's easier just to paste and copy and paste. It's easier just to chat GPT. It's easier just to ask your friends to just to copy because we think, okay, it's no big deal. But like really to try and, and gain wisdom, to be intelligent. Um, it's something so important to read books, to think, uh, all of the things. Are we taking advantage of, of the education that we're, that we're able to get? And then also like Society of Joy, like are, are we surrounding ourselves with people who are helping us be better? Are we surrounding ourselves with people who actually care about us, who are challenging us, who are giving good role models, a good example? Like are we surrounding, what kind of friends do we have? Because really most of the time you're going to go the way of your friends. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you guys are going to influence each other and you're going to go whichever way the current is leading in your friendship. Like that's how, where everybody goes. So if you have good friends who are leading you to prayer, leading you to good works, leading you to faith okay then we're going to move each other that way if not um you know it's hard to go on our own so what kind of friends and then our dreams you know like really what kind of dreams do we have what are we thinking about what kind of life do we want to live what do we want to do with our work um, we're not just here to make money we're here to to serve and to do something beautiful with our life so what do we want to do with our profession what do we want to do with with the life that we have um, so all these things i think we can pray about and reflect on thinking about St. John Bosco and um, the skills that we're gaining and, and what are we going to bring to this world? How are we going to transform it? How are we going to do, um, you know, how are we going to live well this one life that we have? Um, and I think that St. John Bosco did that with every breath that he had. He really gave everything he could so that he could really live really well his his one life and uh, and listen to God and try to figure out his vocation and then live that to the best of, that he, best of his ability with a lot of good natural gifts, but a lot of grace, a lot of grace. And that's mm-hmm. why the importance of prayer so any last words no thanks everybody thanks so we're going to continue to journey with uh, saint john bosco over the next couple episodes um, the next one will be really after his ordination and some of the people that he met and some of the experiences in prison and a lot of the really foundational experiences that he had as he begins his mission uh, because he you know he gets ordained in 1841 and then the oratory opens in valdoco in 1846 so it's like these next years of his life are really him giving and trying to figure out what he's supposed to do as a priest. And then uh, and then little by little, we have the beginnings of the Salesians of St. John Bosco, the pious society of St. Francis de Sales. So stay tuned for next episode. And uh, if you haven't listened to the other ones, you can go back if you want, but no big deal. And we're going to pray. Who's praying? Amy? <laughs> <laughs> In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we continue to thank you for the ability to learn, to reflect on the life of St. John Bosco, for the gift that he was uh, to the Salesian family, to the church, and to continue to ask for, through his intercession, that you may continue to bless um, all young people, all members of the Salesian family, and all members of the church, all members of the world, uh, with the gift that, that he's given us, the mission that he's given us, to continue to educate and evangelize, most especially the young, most especially the abandoned. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. St. John Bosco. Pray, pray for us. St. Mary Mazzarello. Pray, pray for us. St. Francis de Sales. Pray, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Father Steve. We'll see you next week. Thank you. God bless. Bye. Bye-bye.
pray for us on the SLR. Oh yeah, SLR is coming up. <laughs> but you're gonna listen to this while we're on SLR. So definitely pray. Yeah, so definitely pray because we're gonna be in in the midst of the SLR. So yeah. Pray for us. Thanks. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.